we are in our series titled uh, Holy Ghost Stories. I'm enjoying the ride here for the past few weeks as we cruise into early summer. You know, it's as if we are, are sitting around a campfire listening to the stories of God and how God's Spirit interacts with us personally, but also hearing uh, these Holy Ghost stories from the book of Acts. We also get to examine what God desires to do in us as beloved daughters and sons. Uh, Last week, uh, Pastor Sue Lee preached about how God's own spirit uh, ministers to us by speaking into our lives that we are indeed adopted into the family of God. Today, we are examining how in that adoption, God desires to pass on His attributes to us, especially holiness. Think for a moment how you are made up of so many people that you've experienced, maybe presently or in your past. People who raised you or had influence on your life. And I know I have picked particles of different people and inserted it in myself that makes up who Jonathan is. I can think of many ways how my mom and dad, uh, what they are, what they've done, and what they're continuing to do is an incredible example. One example is my mom and dad both worked in mental health and counseling. After my uh, dad experienced a healing of alcoholism, he began to help other men and women as an alcohol and drug counselor. My mom also worked at the mental health center when I was a kid. Their jobs had influence on me. I eventually majored in social work and desired to go into counseling. God changed the trajectory of that and called me into ministry right here in this sanctuary. And now I've found a place of being kind of a utility pastor, of doing counseling and preaching and fresh expressions, grief uh, support groups, and many other things. You could say the apple didn't fall far from the tree in a good way. My mom and dad still serve in their church in Florida. Uh, They're serving people who are struggling with addiction. So these attributes were passed on to me. And I think like my mom and dad, I totally dig when I see people experience a high level of wellness from the ministry God entrusts to me. See, God works in a similar way, my friends, passing on his attributes. And one important attribute that God wants to pass on to you and insert into you is his own holiness. Their desire by God for his beloved sons and daughters to be holy. When God was forging a relationship with the Israelites, He told Moses, after the freedom they experienced coming out of captivity, he told them in Leviticus 19.2, Give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And God was calling his people into a relationship with himself. He wanted them not only to survive the experience, but to be freed. Freed for worship and holiness and to be nourished by him. But for that to happen, they needed to know the ground rules. They needed to come to, come to him on his terms, not theirs. 
And in the New Testament, Peter, he knows this as a Jew. And as he's been transformed into a Christian, he reiterates God's instruction in 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16. He says, Therefore, with minds that are alert, fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you once lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Do you hear the echo of that? Of what Peter knows? And later in the second chapter, Peter addresses them as a community now. Corporately telling them that they're called to be holy. So in the second chapter, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Did you catch this language, my friends? God chose you. God chose you. Royalty. Holy. There's past tense language in this. They were once excluded, but then they've been brought into a nation of holy people corporately and individually as God's special possession. We should read this every morning, shouldn't we? Oh my gosh, we should pin it up on our mirror every morning. We have brought, been brought into a tight love bind with God. And God wants that bind. And so, how did this all happen? Peter said it's from the ministry of Jesus Christ. It's because of this ministry, there's a call to begin to display the attributes of Jesus Christ. The one who has adopted you. So, there's a question it begs. If God is holy and wants me to be holy, what does it mean to be holy? Well, first, holiness, first and foremost, means being set apart. I would guess that some of you, when you hear the word be holy, you assume that he's talking about living morally. I think a lot of people would think that a holy person is a very moral person, a very religious person. Even the passage I read seems to set holiness up as an antithesis of conforming to evil desires. And that's what Peter writes, don't conform to evil desires, but be holy. But if we think of holiness in terms of moral living or being very religious, I think we're missing the heart of what holiness is. In the Old Testament, you see it time and time again. It's not just people being called to be holy. Think of Exodus 3.5. God tells Moses, take off your sandal, for the ground you are walking on is holy ground. Certainly, ground can't be moral or immoral. Or Exodus 16, where the Sabbath is called holy. Or think of the instructions in Exodus 30, giving for the construction of the tabernacle, where items such as tables and lampstands and utensils and bowls are set aside to be holy. If holiness means morality, then what is a moral table? 
Or what does an immoral spoon look like? Certainly there must be more than being holy or more to holiness than just being moral. When we look at the true meaning of the Hebrew word of holy, which is kadash, we find it means being separated, set apart, withdrawn from common use. Something or someone that is holy is something or someone that has been set apart from common use to be utilized for extraordinary use, my friends. Catch that. You are set aside for extraordinary, holy use. You see, we get a better understanding of Kadash and what is meant when we experience holiness like that. You see, Peter, he's calling Christians to be separate, set apart, withdrawn from common use and belong to God for extraordinary usage, to be used by God. And also separated from the world and its practices. To be set apart for worship. And to experience that tight love bond with God. Think about it. How powerfully this author Peter writes these things. He experienced forgiveness and amazing grace of God. Oh, think about his life and what happened to him. Think about his denial of Jesus three times. And then the rooster crowed. And then he felt far removed from Jesus Christ. But remember after the resurrection, Jesus sought him out. Sought him out. And Jesus asked Peter a very holiness question. Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? And he asked him that three times in order to obliterate the three denials. He restored Peter to be used For an extraordinary purpose. Peter was brought back into the fold. Brought nearer to the heart of Jesus again. And what did Jesus say to him? Feed my sheep. And what we just read in 1 Peter. That's some great sheep food. Isn't it? It's incredible. It's tuned into what God desires to say to you and to me today. I love you. You are mine. And all these scriptures feed us. You see... God wants your heart to belong to Him. Your heart belongs to God. And that's a part of holiness. Like I said, I've already said that that being holy is not just being moral. Uh, After all, you can be be moral without holiness. You can be uh, moral for all kinds of reasons. Because it's good business practice. Or because uh, you're afraid of the consequences of immorality. But living morally does not mean that your heart belongs to God. Remember the greatest commandment, my friends. Love God with all, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's the first and greatest commandment. The greatest commandment is to love God like that, not just be moral, but to love God. God is after your heart, not half your heart. Think about marriage. What kind of spouse would be content with a spouse who obeys in action, but whose heart is not engaged in that relationship? Someone who just goes through the motions of being a good husband or wife, but whose heart is not in it. That's horrible for a relationship. Do you love God? This God wants you to be brought near, set apart from the world, 
be utilized and experience his attributes. You see, when you love God, God's holiness increases in you. God's holiness begins to go outward from you into the world. You see, when we love God, the Holy Spirit works in us and sets us apart from sin and everything that is in opposition to the will of God. And he also works to set us apart from all, uh, from all that, that, is not, that doesn't belong to be conformed into the character of Christ. You see, God's goal is that we should be more and more like Christ every day, restoring people, telling people that they're set apart and that God loves them. He puts in our heart a hunger and thirst for righteousness of God that, being, that brings transformation and joyful obedience. You see, there's a Holy Ghost story in Acts, and we see a striking contrast between a heart that's been transformed by the, by the spirit of holiness and uh, two hearts that have not. In Acts 4, we see the evidence that Jesus is ruling and reigning through his people in the church. People begin to sell their possessions uh, for, and, and helping each other, and there's, there's caring for the needy among them. Let's look at Acts 4, 32 through 37. It says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one com com claimed that any, any of their possessions was their own. But they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the, Lord, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that they were, there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field he owned, and he brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Here we meet Barnabas for the very first time. Son of encouragement is what he's called. He sold a field. He brought all the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You see, holiness is per permeating these people. You see the unity. You see the sharing and caring. You see the holiness glow from these, these royal priesthood of people. You begin to see what a holy nation looks like. But then something heartbreaking happens. Let's look at Acts 5. 1 through 11. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money from himself. He brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. And then Peter said, Ananias, how, it is, how is it that Satan has filled your heart so that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belonged to you before it was sold and after it was sold wasn't the money at your disposal what made you think of doing such a thing you have not lied just to human beings but to God when Ananias heard this he fell down and died and great fear seized all who heard what had happened then some young men came forward wrapped his body carried him out buried him about three hours later his wife came in not knowing what had happened Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, 
How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the man who buried your husband are at the door, and they, carried, they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And the young man came in, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these servants. You're probably thinking, what in the world has this got to do with this sermon, Jonathan? Holy cow! Well, you see, this couple, Ananias and Sapphira, they, they had a scheme to act holy by claiming that they had sold all their property and they were giving all the proceeds to the church. But they lied and they held back the money. Ananias and Sapphira, they're a part of the church community where God's holy spirit and holiness is supposed to reside. And all truth and authenticity is supposed to be displayed. What they did was sell a piece of property. And then they had this big front of false, is falseness. They could have given any amount. That was their prerogative. But they said they gave it all. The trouble was, they saw the response for the gift Barnabas gave. And then envy and jealousy, jealousy reared their ugly heads and went within them. They wanted the same praise and respect. The problem was they sold the property and pretended to give it all. They were seeking a fabulous appearance of holiness. It's inauthentic. We have to guard against falseness. We have to be authentic before God and especially what we give of ourselves. I remember when I was in seminary, I wanted to pray like my seminary professors. I started using this stained glass voice. Oh God, oh one who is in the all creation most high. You know, and I, for a while I started doing that and it was like the Holy Spirit came down and said, Jonathan, that's not you, man. <laughs> I wanted to preach with incredible authority and profoundness like my seminary professors. But God taught me very fast, be Jonathan. Be authentic. You see, that falsehood, that just is falseness. I think it diminishes our, our, our spiritual lives. You see, Ananias, it wasn't that they kept some back. It was just being totally inauthentic and false before the Lord. You see, authenticity increases our holiness. They were so worried about appearance that they concocted a scheme to give a little and make it look like they gave a lot. You see, my friends, holiness should permeate our actions and our motives. Envy, jealous, jealousy, and hypocrisy, it's damaging to our existence. Falsivity, too. And God will call it out. These vices are the opposite of holiness. Holiness has everything to do with living a life of authenticity before God and others. No fronts, no masks. Your yes is yes, your no is no. One of the things that I love about Anderson Hills is being on a staff of people that are so authentic. What you see is what you get. We pray authentically. 
We love authentically. And there's many of you that I know that have, that have been, become a part of Jonathan because you have been authentic for the Lord. And it, it's in your actions and in your motives. You see, the Christian's life is made holy because the Holy Spirit transforms that life. He does not work on us. He lives in us. This is the greatest difference between the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit. Works of the flesh denote sweat and toil and falseness. Fruit of the Spirit denotes life and growth. Fruit comes from God. Holiness makes our lives fruitful because a holy life abides in authenticity and in the Word, thereby freeing for full availability to be utilized as is because God has made thee holy. You see, the presence of the Holy Spirit makes our hearts clean, our minds pure, our faculties will work at their full capacity in our lives, thereby fruitful to the glory of God. You see, there's a refiner's fire that wants to burn away those impurities. And the heat increases over time as we remain in Him and burns more things away that are not of the Lord. It's like a silversmith keeps working until he or she can see his or her her own reflection on what they've made. That's the work of God in our lives, continuing to purify us until we can see God in our lives and God's holiness in our lives. Holiness radiating. Another path to holiness is, is getting specific, my friends, with our requests. We were uh, meeting at our grief share group, and there's a guy that's a part of our group. He, he, we were listening to each other on Thursday, just our grief, and there was a lot of, of, of really difficult uh, things that were shared. And this member of our group said, we need to be specific with what we need to pray to the Lord right now. You know, we tend to be general with our prayers. I think... God wants us to be real specific in our requests, clear about what we're asking for, the need to be precise in prayer requests. And this is clearly illustrated in the story of two blind men that encountered Jesus in Matthew 20. Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, and there was a large crowd that was following them, and these two blind men were sitting beside the roadside. When they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. But the crowd, the world, rebuked them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, persistent, precise. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and he called for them. And he asked this question, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they answered, we want our sight. He touched them. He healed them. Immediately, they received their sight. You see, Jesus asked that great question to us. What do you want me to do for you? We engage to engage God with our core needs for holiness. We need to be specific when making our requests known to God, especially when it comes to becoming holy as He is holy. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Folks, every situation 
every vice that you sense, every anxiety, every work you want done within yourself, ask God, present your request. God, I'm fearful. Please remove my fear. God, I'm jealous. Remove my jealousy. God, I want a deeper understanding of the scriptures. Give me insight. God will answer your specific prayer request. And God's holiness will increase in those areas. Like I said, purifying. You know, for the past few weeks, we have heard from members of our congregation about how God is working in their lives. Let's watch this video. Uh, it's a very authentic about God working in the life of Ryan Spence. Holiness for everybody, it, it's being able to live in spite of all the um, pressures we have to, to sin, all the pressures we have to choose um, either the flesh or lust or um, you know, escape or, or all these things that we could choose. We could choose to do what we want in spite of how it hurts people. We can choose to do what we want in spite of you know, how it affects people around us. But you know, sometimes it might feel good to us, but it's wrong, and we have to understand that. And um, we can't make that choice ourselves. We will fall time and time and time and time again unless we allow the Holy Spirit to um, empower us to make different choices, empower us to walk against the flesh, against the world. Uh, for me, there are so many different things that I will escape into. There are so many different things that I would choose to do when the pressures come, when I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. So many times I just want to just escape into um, this particular sin or this particular lust that I want for myself with my flesh. But that, you know, God's power within me reminds me and leads me in a way that I don't have to choose that that I can actually choose to follow God, that I can actually choose Him and choose His way. So holiness to me is really being empowered to do something I can't do myself. It wasn't until I, I came to a church that really pushed me in filling with the Holy Spirit and baptism of the Holy Spirit that I began to seek that. And I remember weeping I remember getting hit. I, I felt this heat go from um, the top of my head to the soles of my feet, and I felt a peace. I was at war with my, in myself a moment before, and the next moment I felt a peace. And I was crying, and then I was laughing, and then it was, it was incredible. It was incredible. And ever since that time, ever since that time, I began to hear the Holy Spirit speaking. You know, a word here, a word there. And one of the words, you know, I remember he would say, you know, if I will follow him, he will lead me. And I realized I don't have to figure this all out myself. In fact, I can just follow his spirit, follow his leading. So, you know, just, um, you know, throughout the last, you know, 10 years um, that it's been since I was filled with the Holy Spirit, um, just learning to hear his voice better and watching for him to direct, uh, direct me more. But um, it, it was really amazing to see how 
the, uh, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit affected my walk because I was able to make different choices from that time. You know, I love um, Ryan's authenticity. Beloved, you are set apart to be holy. God wants your heart. Ask God to work in you. Be specific in your prayers. And step back and watch God's holiness and attributes. He transferred into your lives. And God will permeate your life and the lives around you. Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask that you would fill our hearts with uh, the ministry of your Holy Spirit that refines us with fire, purifies our lives so that we can radiate your holiness wherever we go. God, may we be so bold to put aside the falseness and come authentically to you so that you can work in us and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.